Hi there, this is Bill Woods. I'm up here in Sun Valley, Arizona, and I wanted to talk to you today about something I think is important. It's called lost. A lot of people are lost today, and many of them don't even know it. I grew up in Walla Walla, Washington, situated at the foot of the Blue Mountains. Walla Walla Valley is beautiful, surrounded by mountains and rich in agriculture. The term Walla Walla is an Indian term which means land of many waters and it was always kind of unique when I was growing up for people to find out that I, William Walter Woods, was born in Walla Walla, Washington. And interestingly enough, the one letter I really have trouble writing is W. Anyhow, I love to hunt the forests of the Blue Mountains and I live close enough that I could be hunting within a half hour from my home. I kept my Jeep ready to go. I spent time on weekends and after school hunting in the foothills there close by. The mountains, they, the low ones called the foothills, weren't a problem uh, getting to them or knowing my way around them. The rugged mountains farther out had high peaks, massive valleys, and dense forests. It was easy to lose your bearings in that rugged country and get lost. Several people were lost, and search parties had to find them. And one fellow named Donald McDonald got lost. I remember when I was in a high school, and they never did find him. I don't know what really happened to him. A man is, I, I read a story, a man was lost in the desert. He used up the last of his water three days ago, and he's lying there gasping on the sand, when in the distance he hears a voice calling, Mush! Mush! Not trusting his ears, he turns his head, and there it is again, closer this time. Mush! Mush! Propping up on one elbow, he squints against the sun and sees, of all things, an Eskimo in a fur coat driving a sled across the dunes with a team of huskies. Thinking it's a hallucination, he blinks and shakes his head, but it's for real. He painfully lifts one arm and in a cracked voice cries, Help! The Eskimo pulls the sled up by him, and the husky's panting in the heat, and he says to the Eskimo, I don't know what you're doing here or why, but thank God you are. I've been wandering around this desert for days. My water's gone, and I'm completely lost. The perspiring Eskimo looks down at him and says, You think that you're lost? You know, sometimes I worried I might lose my directions when I was hunting in the deeper mountains. I might get lost. I was told, though, don't worry, because moss always grows on the north side of the trees. But what wasn't said was the moss grows on the east side, the west side, and the south side of the trees also. So you needed a compass if you wanted to keep your bearings and know where north was. I remember a couple times when I didn't have a compass and panicked because I wasn't sure which direction to go. Usually, though, I could find a logging road or a stream to follow to find my way out. If you got lost, I was told you were to fire three shots into the air and stay put until someone found you. It's never safe to just start wandering through the woods because you lose your bearings and many times just go in circles. One hunter knew this rule about firing three times in the air, so when he got lost, he shot three times in the air, but nobody came to help him. 
Later, when he finally found his way to camp, he asked why nobody had come in response to his shooting three times in the air. He was told that that worked when you hunted with a rifle, not with a bow and arrow. My dad took a neighbor, Tom Picker, hunting one time. The, he was younger than I was. I was already gone to college, and Tom was hanging around the neighborhood, didn't know what else to do. And, and his dad was ancient and couldn't go out into the woods with him. So my dad felt sorry for Tom and decided to teach him about the outdoors. And wouldn't you know, Tom got up there and got lost. He spent three nights lost. Nobody could find him. Dad built a big campfire at night trying to help him find his way back, but he didn't come. Finally, searchers found him and asked if he'd seen the fire. He said yes, but he didn't know whose fire it was, and he was afraid to come to a stranger's camp. And my dad lost interest in teaching Tom about the great outdoors and about hunting. You know, sometimes getting lost may seem like an adventure at first, but if it drags on, it can be terrifying. The Bible says we are lost. Psalms 119.176 said, I have wandered away like a lost sheep. Come and find me, for I have not forgotten your commands. Isaiah 53.6 says, All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 6. My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray and turned them loose in the mountains. They have lost their way and can't remember how to get back to the sheepfold. Ezekiel 34, 16 says, I will search for my lost ones who strayed away and I will bring them safely home again. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the weak but I will destroy those who are fat and powerful. I will feed them, yes, feed them justice. You know, I'm better at knowing directions in the woods than I seem to be in the city. Marty's always correcting me when I say, like when we lived in Phoenix, I would say, I'm going up to McDowell Street or down to Northern. And, and it was, McDowell was south of us and Northern was north of us. And she always told me, that, you know, you need to say if you're going north, up, and if you're saying south, go down. It helps to know directions so you can find the best route. I've learned the hard way. It's a macho thing to not ask directions and, and find your own way. Real men don't ask directions. Sometimes we'll go miles out of our way rather than ask. Too many guys won't carry a map or compass because it's such a bother and they won't use it anyhow and probably wouldn't know how to read it anyway. Now we have GPSs to ignore. I've been lost, you know, in Phoenix. I've been lost in Kansas City. I've been lost in California, Arizona, Oregon, Idaho, Washington, Wyoming. It seems there's no place that I haven't had that exhilarating experience of not knowing where I was, how I got there, or how to get back. Years ago, Marty and I helped run a junior boys camp uh, for the Nazarene Church up at Pineville Park on Deer Lake, north of Spokane, Washington. A special out-of-state speaker was scheduled to preach that week at camp. I think he was a missionary. He flew into Spokane International Airport. He rented a car to drive to Pineville Park. 
He didn't ask directions. He just hit, headed the way that he thought he should go. Now, Pinelow was 40 miles north of Spokane, but this missionary ended in Vancouver, Washington, 343 miles southwest of Spokane before he even realized he was lost. You know, that's when it was discovered that Trevor and I could speak at kids' camps, and after that, we were busy doing camps and Bible schools and things for years. Sometimes getting lost can be exciting and fun if it doesn't last too long. John Cramp, in his book, Out on Their Faces and Into Their Shoes, recalls the time he and a group of friends went to visit Blue Lake outside of Portland, Oregon. While driving along the beautiful fur-lined or fir tree line roads, they saw a little green sign that said Little Crater Lake. Everyone knew about Crater Lake in southern Oregon. It rests in the stump of a once towering volcano. The brilliant blue of the water stuns first time visitors. The lake is encircled by multicolored lava walls, and some of those walls reaching 2,000 feet high. It is breathtaking, it is beautiful. The friends agreed to take a, a detour to find this baby Crater Lake. They followed an eight-mile dirt road up through the mountains of Oregon. When they arrived at their destination, there wasn't a lake in sight. A small sign marked a path as, as the way to Little Crater Lake. They loaded up the children, grabbed their folding chairs and picnic equipment, and began the walk, preparing for a not-to-be-forgotten view of this beautiful little lake. When they finally arrived, they found a 20-foot irregular circle of slimy, greenish-yellow water formed by a volcanic hiccup which exploded a narrow shaft of earth that later filled with water. The putrid pool sat stagnant and smelly. A tilted weather-worn sign said, no swimming. The group stared at each other and began to laugh. For them, Little Crater Lake instantly became a treasured memory of testimony that being lost can be fun. It's true with the spiritually lost as well. They'd rather enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, Hebrews 11:25, than to turn to the Lord. The reason being lost can be fun is because sin is always short-sighted. It focuses on today, forgetting about tomorrow. Solomon said in Proverbs 10:23, "Doing wrong is fool is fun for a fool, but living wisely brings pleasure to the sensible." You know, sin might seem like it'd be fun for a little while, but there's always that regret, that pain that comes afterwards. Being lost can be fun for a while, but it'll lead to destruction. No one gets lost on purpose. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Christ's first parable was about lost sheep. Sheep don't get lost on purpose. They just stray from the flock and usually don't even know they're lost. They're so dumb they don't know they're, they're lost. They don't know how to get back. You know, I, there was quite an experience we had when, when our youngest daughter, Kim, was about three or four years old. 
Uh, Marty and I took her with us to a Globetrotters game in the big Coliseum at Washington State University in Pullman, Washington, where I was pastoring at the time. We were intrigued with uh, what was going on on the basketball floor. And at the last few plays of the game, Marty and I were enthralled in watching the action. When the game concluded, we went to gather up Kim and Tammy and found Kim was no longer with us. Talk about panic. What happened to our baby? We got the security people looking with us trying to find our baby. Finally, we got word that she was down in the locker room with the Globetrotters team. She was so intrigued by those big, tall guys in their colorful uniforms that she somehow had found her way to their locker room to visit with them. What panic we felt when we thought our precious little girl was lost. Would, and I got to thinking later, would that we would panic like that over lost friends going to hell for eternity. Did you ever get lost on purpose? No, I'm sure you didn't. We've all been lost, though, some more times than we want to admit. Every time we get lost, we have a reason for getting lost, but those reasons never include, I did it on purpose. Today, our nation is lost. We've lost our bearings. We may soon lose our country because we're lost. What happened? It started in the home when Christians took their eyes off the goal and lost their bearings. Then the church and the schools let down. Remember, they kicked God out of the school and public places in the 1960s. The anemic church was too frightened to fight back when Madeline Murray O'Hare was doing her thing to get prayer out of the school. Now the nation has lost its way. We took our eyes off the goal and deteriorated until today we don't even know who we are. We didn't do it on purpose. We didn't start out wanting to get lost. A little compromise here, a little rebellion there, a fear that we might offend someone else's beliefs and soon we're away from God and lost. Here's truth about being lost. Jesus understood lostness when he interacted with spiritually lost people. Jesus knew those he encountered were sinners by nature. Psalm 51.5, For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. Jesus knew those he encountered were sinners by choice. John 3.19 says, And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. In spite of their spiritual condition, Jesus didn't write them off as a lost cause or that, that, you know, because they were lost on purpose. He understood the consequences people endured as a result of sin. Consequences deserved, but not desired. He dealt with sinners like being lost was only a current location, not an unchangeable destination. Jesus understood Romans 5.12, which says, When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. He understood all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And he understood that the wages of sin is death. And he knew that because all had sinned, that the price of sin was death, eternal separation from God. He knew all this was hopeless, or excuse me, he knew all isn't hopeless 
because Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So just because our lost friends and family seem to be having fun lost doesn't mean they actually chose to be lost or that they know the consequences of being lost. But you cannot force people to admit that they're lost. Stephen, the first martyr, after delivering his sermon to the high priest and the council said, you stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. Acts chapter 7:51. Maybe we should ask someone that question. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? You know, when Jesus confronted the Pharisees about their lost condition, he told stories. He met them individually. Finally, when their opposition reached a dangerous pitch, he brought out the big guns. And here's a summary of Matthew 23 when he confronted them for the last time. He said, you're like a bunch of tombs filled with dead bones. You're like fancy cups, clean and shiny on the outside, but dirty on the inside. You think you're so spiritual that you travel all over seeking people to be proselytes, but when you convert people, you make them twice the, the sons of hell you are. You're like eye doctors working to remove specks from patients' eyes while you have huge planks in your own. He was direct, and the Pharisees went ballistic. The hard truth about the Lord is until they know they're lost, no, or the hard truth, excuse me, about the lost is until they know they're lost, no amount of pushing can make them want to be saved. The lost just refuse to admit they're lost. Well, so what do we as Christians do about it? We must know our way first. We can't help someone find their way until we know our way. Then we must allow the Holy Spirit to guide us. He will use your witness to reach your friends. You share the truth, and he brings the conviction of sin. And I would challenge each of you to get your bearings and lead your friends and family the way that leads to eternal life. We don't want any of our friends or family to end up in an eternal hell. You know, sometimes people say things like, well, I'm not worried about hell. I'm going to be so busy shaking hands with all my friends, I won't even know that I'm there. I want you to know, you're not going to know your friends because it says you'll be in outer darkness. There'll be gnashing of teeth. There's not going to be any friendly mood because you're going to be in such horrible torment that you cannot stand it. And it goes on and on and on forever. And I want you to know also that... Uh, you know, there's no reason for you to go to hell because Jesus Christ has paid the price for your salvation. Hebrews says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. But Jesus Christ shed his own sinless blood so that you and I could become Christians and, and know the way to be adopted in the family of God and to be part of his kingdom. Your friends and your neighbors need someone to show them the way. Do you know the way? It's vitally important that you know which direction to lead, that you're not lost. If you are lost, get found, because too much depends on you knowing the right direction. 
And the Bible says, confess your sins to Christ, accept him as your Lord and Savior, and then read the Bible to hide God's word in your heart. You won't find your way home without it. And I would encourage you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior today, don't put it off any longer. Don't wait until some more convenient time because Satan will make sure that you don't recognize a more convenient time. And if you're lost, you'll be lost for all eternity with no remedy, no way to get back to where you want to be. Let's pray. Dear Father, I would pray that you help each one today that's heard this message to realize how important it is not to be lost, but to be found by Jesus Christ, to give our hearts and lives to him, to repent of our sins, to have a turning around and become the kind of people you want us to be. And Lord, we don't want to just say a few chosen phrases and not have any kind of repentance in our heart. We want to pray the prayer, God, forgive me a sinner and help me to be able to live for you. Come into my life. I do accept you as my personal Savior. I am sorry for my sins, and please forgive me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. I hope that this message has meant something to you today, and we'll be seeing you again next week. Don't forget, I am not only on this podcast on your phone and and uh, on your email, but we do have the website, and I would encourage you to look it up. Again, that's lowercase uh, churchofthegalilean.com. Or if you want to contact me, you can contact me through box 4031 Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. Or you can contact me through the email, lowercase r-e-v-w-m-w-w-o-o-d-s at uh, gmail.com. And I just hope that you're having a good day. We'll continue to pray that all of us get our hearts right to God and one day stand with him in eternity.